Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers and it's another Studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. So now we step back into the ring, back into time. Let's get wall to wall and treetop tall with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller in the great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. All right, stud, we all know that Wrestling is not seasonal. It happens year-round. Football is seasonal. Are you getting into your football teams yet? Oh, yeah, man. Gosh. Uh, college game especially, man. Really, really into the college game. You can't live in Tennessee without being a supporter <laughs> of the balls, man. Uh, you're kind of in the shadows of Neyland Stadium, right? Oh, yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> wow, this is they're crazy here this time of year, man. They go nuts here. Uh, last year they had a great team, one of the best they've had in many, many years, and uh, off to a good start again this year. So, you know, I followed the balls, but uh, you know, I like a lot watch a lot, a lot of other games as well, and a lot of other teams. And, you know, it's a great time of year, ain't it, Dave? Man, it is, and it also means well, at least for us here in the deep south, that it's going to cool down before long as my friend used to say hey listen stud the last stud cast number 315 it was filled with disappointment for you personally ron it was the worst knoxville crowd of 1979 and almost five years since southeastern's first year in business so being in the bill meyer baseball stadium was bad enough but the rain too was obviously way too much. Then, on top of all that, in the Gulf Coast territory, the last studcast, fans said goodbye to another popular babyface, Crusher Blackwell. He lost to Ox Baker in a loser-leave-southeastern match. So, judging from what I see as the title for this studcast, number 316, it's going to be hopefully more inspiring. Well, I certainly hope so, Dave. <laughs> and wow, it's pretty hard to go through that last one, you know. And uh, that's a good way of putting it, man. <laughs> you know, I hope it's going to be more inspiring today, and and definitely the cards in both of the territories for this one are going to be much improved. Uh, in Tennessee, we're going to be returning to the Coliseum, and in uh, this stud cast, uh, as you said, number three sixteen, it's called uh, Tennessee. Andre arrives, Gulf Coast Ox versus Ron. So uh, we're going to just focus on two cards, obviously, in this episode. Uh, the Gulf Coast card on Wednesday, September 19th, 1979, in Mobile, Alabama. And in Tennessee, uh, two nights later, we'll be talking about the Friday, September 21st card back in the Coliseum, thank goodness. All right. So which territory do you want to hit first, north, south? Where do we go? Well, we're going to start in Tennessee, my man. Uh, you know, it's got a uh, card. Uh, th that card's going to, for the first time since the war began, we're going to have uh, a worldwide wrestler, recognized wrestler on this one, finally. Uh, Andre the Giant is going to be in Tennessee. He's been to Florida a couple of times down on the Gulf Coast, but uh, this time he's going to be on a Tennessee card. We'll discuss that card. We'll talk about the TV that promotes it, and the match results and the attendance. We're also going to take a look, close look at another one of those competing all-star wrestling cards uh, from the other group that's running uh, against uh, Southeastern. Uh, they're still out there in the Bill Meyer Baseball Stadium for their show. And, uh, 
and it's going to be obviously on the night following the Knoxville card. Then uh, we'll ride south after, south after that. We're going to uh, shoot into Mobile, Alabama on a Wednesday night, two days before the Knoxville card I just talked about. And uh, this card in Mobile was an excellent card as well. We'll discuss the TV promoting it, the results of the matches, talk about the attendances, as we normally do in all three of the major markets down there. And if we got time, Dave, after all that, man, we'll, we'll have a shot at another learning tree question. Hey, you really, you really kept it going last week. We ran out of time, so hopefully we can redeem ourselves this week on that one. So it really sounds like another good one, Stud. An exciting ride in both territories. You said we would get that Andre the Giant card first in the Tennessee territory. So set us up on that. What was the Knoxville Coliseum card? I think it was Friday night, September 21st, 1979. Okay, uh, this one opened up with Ted Allen who was the wrestler that uh, years later is going to train Arn Anderson uh, versus Doug Gilbert, uh, who was at this point called himself Redbeard. He let his beard grow out. He had red hair anyway. And uh, he was a pretty, uh, he was a pretty <laughs> ridiculous looking guy in a way, you know. Uh, then in a mixed tag match, we've got the midget Lone Eagle going to be teaming up with Tony Charles. And they're going to take on Butch Cassidy, the other midget. And uh, he's going to be partnering up with a new guy to the Southeastern uh, Territory, Eric Von Steiger. Third match of that card was Dean Ho against the Angel, who was uh, Frank Morrell. And then there was a uh, return Southeastern Tag Championship match. My brother and I, uh, we're at this point the former champion. We lost the belts the week before. Uh, to Jimmy Golden and Norvell Austin, but we were going to be getting that customary return match, uh, championship match, uh, coming back after losing. And then the Southeastern belt was also on the line with uh, the new fan favorite man down in the, down in that uh, t- Tennessee territory, Paul Orndorff. He was going to be facing the Southeastern champion, Dick Slater. Also, Dick was very much liked by fans. And so this was going to be basically a classic match between two young wrestlers, both of them from Tampa, Florida. Uh, then the main event was a $5,000 tag team bounty match. A payable, basically, if, uh, if uh, they got the job done, these two guys that were going after the bounty, if they if got uh, Alexis Smirnoff or his partner, who was going to be Ox Baker, uh, who was making his first appearance ever in southeastern Knoxville. Uh, if either of those guys were able to hurt the stomper bad enough to put him out of wrestling, then they were going to get $5,000. And the wrestler that would get the $5,000 uh, from Gorgeous George Jr., or the two could split the money, George said, if they wanted to, if they both got together and could make it happen. So the stomper, man, he was taking, ta- taking no chances. And uh, he basically told no one who his partner was going to be in the bounty match. He didn't want people to know who it was going to be. Hmm. Uh, obviously, he knew right away. His partner was only known as a mystery partner. Hmm. Uh, you know, we used to do that a lot. That we'd not name who he was going to be mm-hmm. until TV t- time rolled around. And uh, that uh, was the way this one was going to be done as well. Wow. All right. So I think we're all aware at this point from the title of this studcast who the mystery partner was going to be. But no one else knew 
anything about Andre the Giant being there the next week, right, Stud? Yeah, yeah, basically, you know, <laughs> they didn't know about it. Uh, we're we're 40-something years later, man. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but, uh, you know, we were, this was kind of kept a secret, who, uh, who the Stompers uh, partner was going to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, the newspaper ad advertising the card for the next Friday night was going to be in the paper for several days after this match, for actually six days after the match. So, uh, you know, it was pretty easy to, to keep it under wraps as long as we wanted to. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's the way we're going to take care of this one. All right, so let me get it right. The next day on the TV show, six days before Andre's arrival, would be the first time any fan would even know about Andre. So this TV show was going to let the giant out of the bag, so to speak. So how did, how did you, that's a big bag. So how did you set this up on TV that day, Stud? Yeah, well, that's a great line. You know, the, the, it is a pretty big bag to put the giant in it. <laughs> So the show opened up, man, uh, with the patched-up Mongolian stomper at the set, uh, you know, and behind them uh, on the huge backdrop was a still shot of stomper with his hand in the air from the night before. He was wrestling toward Tanaka in this event, and uh, Tanaka was laying at stomper's feet, and, uh, you know, we this was the night that uh, we were in the Bill Meyer Baseball Stadium. We had the rain, just about everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, uh... Les asked the director to roll the video, and he announced that the TV audience, that Stomper was being declared in that still shot, basically. Obviously, referee's holding his hand up and uh, laying down at his feet, Tanaka. And so was the Stomper, who was hurt himself. I mean, Tanaka, they had a really bloody match. It was a nasty thing. And uh, so uh, Stomper uh, had a hard time leaving the ring. So on his way uh, to get out of the ring, Gorgeous George Jr. and Alexis Smirnoff, they had been in the match preceding it. They came back to the ring. Uh, Gigi gave Smirnoff a steel chair, and they sent him after Stomper. And uh, he, he, kind of, he caught Stomper not watching. Stomper was leaving the ring. He didn't see him coming, and uh, he nailed him with that chair, man, over the head. And uh, Stomper and... Uh, uh, the Russian and GG boy, they started putting the boots of the stomper. Uh, they continued their assault, man. Dick Slater finally came back to the ring. He had been in the match with uh, Smirnoff, and, uh, and uh, they left uh, carrying the injured uh, toward Tanaka. Uh, and then uh, Slater helped, uh, obviously, Stomper back to the dressing room. So let's ask the stomper, you know, at this point, if he was aware that right after this match that gorgeous George Jr. had contacted the Southeastern Commissioner, Don Curtis, and he demanded another bounty match. He wanted another bounty match, another chance the following Friday. And uh, this time, Gigi told Don Curtis, I want to have a tag match. I want to have two opponents in the ring against Stomper. And he says, I don't care who the Stomper picks as his partner. Uh, Just give me this tag match. Uh, so that uh, I can bring in a special guy. So Stomper said, you know, he told us, right? He said, hey, I'm aware of all this. He goes, uh, he said, after Don Curtis got that call from the Stomper, he called me to ask me if it was all right with me. And uh, and he said, uh, he said, I knew uh, that Gorgeous George Jr. was going to select Alexis Smirnoff 
And uh, and he wasn't going to take Tanaka, obviously. He said, because you see Tanaka laying there in the film. You know, Tanaka had a hard time getting back to the dressing room, period, you know. <laughs> and he said, my guess is uh, less that we're going to be seeing uh, the uh, Gigi's killer last week that he showed on the personality profile, Ox Baker, hmm. as the partner to Alexis Smirnoff. So Stomper said, you know, Les, I, I'll be glad to tell everybody who my partner is, you know, right now, you know. And then he says, in fact, you should have received an interview from him this morning via FedEx because <laughs> I, I contacted him. So, um, so Les said, yeah, yeah, we did get it. But, but he said, uh, you know, uh, Archie, he called him Archie. That was his name, you know. And he said, you know, Archie, uh, I was wondering if you'd allow me to personally break the news to gorgeous George Jr., on today's personality profile <laughs> of who your partner is. Okay, so uh, TV crowd pop, man. They loved the idea, you know, and Stomper, he roared. He started laughing. He goes, I would love to see that, Les. <laughs> Heck yes. So the TV studio crowd, uh, they popped again, and Les thanked him for joining him and uh, said the fans would see him again today in the last match on the TV show. He was going to be wrestling in the last match. And as soon as the stomper left the set, out popped Jimmy Golden and Orville Austin. Uh, and they were carrying their new southeastern belts that they had won the night before. And uh, while the studio crowd wasn't too happy to see them, they they just uh, they, they greeted them with a bunch of boos, man. They were booing so loud, I think you could have heard them in Knoxville, <laughs> downtown Knoxville, five miles away. Man. And uh, so they... Right away, uh, naturally, Golden and, uh, you know, uh, Norvell, the, they started insulting the Mongolian stomper who just left the set. And uh, they told us, you know, we said, what a loser. That, that Canadian is, is a real loser, ain't he, Les, you know? And he says, uh, you know, and he's going to get hurt real bad because uh, Gigi's going to get him, you know? And then, uh, so then uh, Les insisted that, uh, that, uh, they showed they wanted to see the video of their title win from the night before. We should we want everybody to see how we beat the Fullers. Mm -hmm. So Les asked that they meant the, the video that showed how they stole the belt. So <laughs> they didn't like that. It's like, what do you mean we stole the belt? And then they screamed, it's just shut up and roll the tape, Les. And uh, and it was quickly obvious that they, they had stolen the belt, uh, but they kept denying everything. Les was going through and said, yeah, well, look what you did here and look what you did there. And they were like, no, you didn't. No, we didn't do that. And then finally, uh, Jimmy said, you've messed with this tape, Les. You've altered this tape. He goes, we didn't do any of that. You know, <laughs> so, then, uh, so they said, uh, stop the tape right now. They didn't want to see any more. <laughs> so they held their belts up over their heads. They left the set, man, and they got louder booze when they left than they had when they arrived. <laughs> no surprise. All right, so who was on the first TV match? Well, Rob and I were in the first match of the show, and uh, and we won pretty much big time. Uh, you know, we we and the fans were still backing us. You know, we weren't the champions, but uh, they were still supporting us. And the second segment of the show was a match with the Southeastern champion, Dick Slater. And Paul Orndorff, who was going to be wrestling Dick Slater for his championship, joined Les at the set to watch the match. 
He was getting a shot at the belt the following Friday night. And Slater won the match easily. And then he came to the set, which was really uh, something that didn't normally happen. And uh, he came with Orndorff still there. And he made a point of shaking hands with him. And he wished him luck. You know, next Friday night, you got a shot at my belt. And I wish you luck, man. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. Wow. It was like, you don't see that, but it was going to be a baby face match. So uh, uh, they they kind of set it up for that. Hmm. All right. So was it time for the personality profile after that, Ron? Yeah, man, it was. And uh, Gorgeous George Jr., man, he had arrived at the station that day. and But he got there too late to see the opening of the show. So he didn't see the Stompers opening uh, part of the show. And uh, so he joined Les by himself at the set to discuss this upcoming bounty tag match. And uh, he confirmed, uh, you know, to Les what, uh, you know, Stomper had said earlier, but he wasn't aware of what Stomper uh, had said or knew about it. And he said, yeah, you know, he, he said, this tag match was my idea. And he said, I called Don Curtis to ask him about it. And he said he confirmed that his two men uh, were going to be Alexis Smirnoff and Ox Baker, the wrestler he had told fans about last week uh, that was known for having ended not just the careers of two wrestlers, he said, but the lives of two wrestlers. You know, wow, so it's a big statement. Mm-hmm. So Les was obviously, he wasn't comfortable with discussing wrestlers dying. Right. So he changed the subject. And, uh, he allowed uh, Gigi to play a video of Ox Baker. Uh, so Gigi had brought a video of Ox Baker. And, uh, and then this video, it was like a resume of injured opponents, man. So uh, bear in mind, East, Ten- East Tennessee fans had never seen Ox Baker, ever. You know? and, and so you could hear the video opened up with this tight shot of Ox Baker's face. And you could hear the studio crowd go, oh, oh, they, they reacted right away. I mean, he was one of the most scary-looking guys in the history of the sport, basically. <laughs> um, and then it ended with a series of wrestlers being carried from the rings all over the world. Uh, some of them were Japanese. It was other countries as well as in America. Uh, they were all facing Ox Baker. Uh, they were being hauled out of the ring, Ox standing, watching my most of it, and uh, gorgeous George Jr. He looked as proud as a peacock man when the video ended. And he raised up a big handful of hundred dollar bills and said, "Come and get it, Ox." <laughs> <laughs> TV studio reacted as if Ox had been live right there, man. Uh, there was pandemonium in the studio. The booze were erupting. As Gigi, he got up. He was ready to leave the set. He was thinking that, hey, this is profile's done. I've done what I wanted to do. And Les kind of got the crowd quiet as best he could. And then he asked Gigi, he said, please, now, wait a minute, Gigi. I'm not finished here. You, you sit down for me a minute because I got a surprise for you. And uh, then the Mongolian stomper had, had uh, not, you know, he said, you know, said the Mongolian stomper not only has picked his partner for the tag team match, but we got an interview from his partner that was flown into the TV station this morning. So the studio went silent. <laughs> they didn't know, had no idea who it was going to be. But uh, they weren't silent for long because as soon as that video started running, the first face they saw was Andre the Giant, best known wrestler in the world, right? And, wow. Uh, 
Stomper's partner for the next Friday night. <laughs> wow, the studio exploded, man. So, but so did Gorgeous George. He jumped up. Oh, what is going on here? You know, because <laughs> the Stomper can't do that. He can't use that guy. <laughs> so Les asked the director. He said, "Stop the video," you know. And then he has Gigi. He says, "Sit back down here," you know, because uh, there, there's uh, there's a lot more to him to this, right? So he said, uh, and so Gigi sat back down and Les asked the director to roll the video again. So this time, Andre revealed the offer that was made to him by the Mongolian stomper in the conversation the night before. And he said, the stomper promised him, he said, if uh, if he would uh, match the, he said he would match the $5,000 bounty uh, of Gigi that he's going to give away to his two men, he would give it to me. If I could put either one of Gigi's guys out of action, he said, uh, he would give me $5,000. And then he said, and then he threw in, he said, and he also said, if I could get my hands on Gigi and do it to him, he'd double that 5000 <laughs> So I'd never heard of pop. From the studio crowd like that one did. I mean, and Gigi, he was like, he was, couldn't stand it anymore. Oh, my God. He's just screaming, no. You know, you can't put a bounty on me. I'm not a wrestler. He was saying oh, whatever he could. You know, I'm not, I'm not a wrestler. He can't do that, you know. And then he continued to shout. And Les just got up and he, he done what he wanted to do. And he left him there, and then he's still screaming when the profile uh, credit ran at the end. So Gigi didn't have a very good, didn't have a good time at the profile. Uh, next match was a very unusual midget match on TV, which we like to do every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And it was won by the babyface uh, Lone Eagle, and he was against Butch Cassidy. And then the Mongolian Stomper ended the show. Uh, with a standing ovation from the studio audience. They loved the fact he was going to bring Andre in. And the uh, profile uh, made him, uh, that profile in the way it uh, turned out, it made him a bigger baby face than ever. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, with the Stomper Man, his physical ability didn't hurt either, you know, especially right. now that he was using it against the bad guys. Mm -hmm. They really loved him. Wow. Obviously, that's a great TV show, a, a tremendous setup. So what happened six days later as you guys head to the Coliseum? Well, Redbeard got a win over Ted Allen. Uh, Tony Charles and Lone Eagle won the mixed tag match uh, with Eric Bonsteiger and Butch Cassidy. Uh, Dean Ho beat the Angel, Frank Morrell. Jimmy Golden and Norville Austin successfully defended their southeastern belts uh, in the return match against Rob and I. Uh, Jimmy got the win over Rob, actually, with uh, something that he had. He brought and put it in his tights, obviously, and uh, got the pin over Rob. Uh, something pretty personal still between Rob and Jimmy. Uh, then Dick Slater and Paul Orndorff, they had a masterpiece of a babyface match. Wow, I watched it. It was unbelievable. Southeastern Championship match was. It went 30-minute time limit draw. Uh, they tore the house down. And uh, at the end of it, both of them shook hands. And uh, they got a standing ovation from that crowd. Uh, it was, uh, I love those kind of matches. Uh, we, and I love that we could have them every once in a while. Hmm. Main event was that bounty tag match. It was just wild. I mean, 
Andre spent a lot of time in the match working on Alexei Smirnoff's back, trying to earn the bounty money. You know, he he was he was he just focused on Smirnoff. And uh, now Ox Baker was his first time ever there. Uh, him and Stomper was just at each other, man. Wow, that is big time. The match ended up no contest decision. It was no clear winner. Ox Baker and the Stomper were both bleeding. A big portion of the match, as a matter of fact. Uh, Gorgeous George Jr. obviously was careful not to let anybody get his hands on him, and he stayed. He managed to stay out of trouble. So after the match was stopped, Ox Baker hit Andre uh, with his heart punch. He had it was the first time basically he had had much contact with Andre, mm. but he was able to hit him with his heart punch, and the giant had to be carried back to the dressing room when they ended that one uh, by several men. I don't know how many people it took, but it was more than two or three. Yeah, just the mere fact you said the giant had to be carried back to the dressing room uh, was a reason to pause there. Okay. Wow. All right. So it sounds like an incredible night for fans. So how'd you do on attendance? It had to be it had to be good. Well, it was 4,200, which was the best since the war began, which was four months earlier now. We're four months into this war. And uh, this was the best crowd we'd had uh, since the war started. But uh, and it was obviously dramatically up from the 2100 in the baseball stadium in the last uh, cast. Uh, But it was still a disappointment to me, man. I mean, with a card as good as that card was compared to all the great crowds with the cards that were similar to that in the previous years. Mm -hmm. I was uh, I was still disappointed with uh, what, and it was all the fact of the war. The war was causing all of this to be mm. not nearly as good as it used to be. Oh, Ron, it seems like the war will just not allow you to get back anywhere near what you had been doing before the thing started. I can understand your frustration with that. So how about the card for the opposition, the all-star company, the next night following the Andre night? Well, they were still in the Bill Meyer Baseball Stadium. They still weren't able to get back into Chihuahua Park. And uh, and I don't think they really were going to go there to Chihuahua Park anymore, but they were in this event back in Bill Meyer Baseball Stadium. It didn't rain like we had the week before. And, uh, and boy, they were pulling out all the stops on this card. They, they, were, they knew what we had coming, and uh, so they – they, this one opened up with Lanny Poffo uh, wrestling against a guy they called the Spoiler as a match person. Uh, I didn't see the matches, but uh, I had a guy that uh, told me pretty much uh, everything that he saw during, during these matches. They had a midget men's match. Now, I don't remember, or he didn't remember the midgets' names, but uh, they had a midget match uh, as well. Uh, Bob Roop uh, wrestled the Barry Orton, who was the brother of Bob Orton Jr., uh, they also, they had a so-called Southeastern, they called it the Southeastern Tag Title Match with uh, Gibbs and Garvin, Ronnie Garvin, uh, versus the Assassin and Boris Malenko. Bob Orton Jr. faced the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and there was a 13-man pole battle royal with $1,000 to the winner, plus a wrestling bear named Ginger, same name as my grandfather's bear, uh, was uh, going to be wrestling fans from the crowd. 
All right, that's interesting. So, I mean, a, a midget match after you had one two weeks in a row, a bear wrestling fans from the crowd, and a Southeastern Tag Championship match. So, what what did you think of the card? Well, man, you know, the first thing that struck me was the fact that they advertised a Southeastern Tag Championship match. You know, they had no rights, obviously, to that name, the Southeastern name. I mean, you that was so ridiculous. Uh, you know, then they also had another uh, weekly uh, bogus challenge that they've been doing that they put in a newspaper. They had a they had a so-called five thousand dollar chicken challenge. It was called if I showed up and I could beat Bob Orton Jr. <laughs> uh, you know, then the, then the wrestling bear versus the fans from the crowd. Well, that to me was absolutely insane, man. <laughs> I mean, it uh, and 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 it, if anything, that was headed for a definite lawsuit when uh, somebody got uh, hurt uh, uh, from the crowd wrestling the bear, right? Wow! So uh, I couldn't believe, and what what I couldn't believe is, uh, you know, why didn't they book a wrestler against the bear? You know, right, but right. I guess they didn't have any wrestlers willing to wrestle the bear, <laughs> right? So they wanted fans to do the dirty work, right? Mm. So, uh, and then what if no one in the crowd was willing to wrestle the bear? You know, I mean, uh, so they would have no bear match at all, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no takers so. on that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's kind of crazy planning, Stud. I think you know that. But when you're running a company like that, that, that was dangerous for fans and owners. And obviously – it's going to hurt the sport too. It seems like in the long run. So surely they had no right to use your company name for their belts. Yeah. Well, you know, that was absolutely outrageous. And uh, obviously stopping the use of Southeastern's names and their matches was no problem to end legally. No, I'm not, I took care of that, but there were so many other things they were doing to kill the sport. I mean, it was becoming obvious that if they couldn't win this war, they wanted to leave wrestling dead in that part of the country. <laughs> wow. All right. So what was the attendance? How did they do? Well, according to my weekly spotter, you know, they, they probably said, he said they probably had at least a thousand fans, uh, you know, which was less than 25% of what we had in the Coliseum, mm -hmm. but it was twice as much as what they had the week before. So, uh, you know, what was happening is they were they, they were still alive. They were good. The crowd was big enough to keep them still coming back and uh, and continuing to fight this war. Uh, and uh, and it was basically slowly killing the sport, man. Just a little bit more every week. Wow! It just all seems like an operation of desperate. So I mean. This whole, and I tell you what, this first half of this stud cast has really been a great one, stud. And we're going to ride south next when we return after the break. Stay with us. All right, stud cast fans, as we get into the break, hey, Ron, you were telling me that there, there's something really special happening and you wanted to share that with everybody. What's going on? Yeah, man. You know, and uh, I, I always have, I always like to talk to fans here in the middle of the show if I get the chance, especially if I've got something that's unusual or something that I, I really want to let them know about. And uh, I'm doing the, I'm coming up with the Ask the Stud number nine, if you can believe it, question and answer show. And uh, I'm so proud of these shows. And uh, 
they have such great audience. Each one seems to get bigger and bigger as we do them. But this one is a, it's going to be coming up this uh, on Saturday, uh, the uh, 16th of September. Uh, that's which is the, the this coming Saturday. If you're listening to us today in this first uh, uh, first go round of the this podcast being out there. Uh, so Saturday the 16th of September. Uh, please join me, man, for uh, another one of these Ask the Studs. Uh, this one is number nine, and wow, I've got great great questions from what I hear. Uh, I'm going to be recording it actually and tomorrow so i haven't even done it yet but uh i know that this is going to be another one fans really love these and uh and uh i want everybody to know that uh you can only get this exclusively on youtube uh, southeastern rewind and uh and i look forward to uh having a great show for you coming up saturday oh good deal all right so listen during the break stud we have gone south 500 miles from Tennessee to the southeastern Gulf Coast in Mobile, Alabama's Expo Hall to another great card in this studcast on Wednesday, the date is September 19th, 1979. It's two days before the Knoxville event that we covered in the first part of this studcast. Number 316, that's this one, 316. So I want to ask you about the big card in the Gulf Coast territory. And as we do that, I want to say happy birthday. Today is our old buddy Jerry Stubbs' birthday. So hopefully he is celebrating today and maybe listening to the stud cast as he gets a shout out because I know you're going to be talking about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's definitely in this, you know, and uh, happy birthday, Jerry. I got to do that myself, man. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, uh, I love Jerry Stubbs. What a great, not just a great guy, but a tremendous wrestling talent. Yeah. So this card in Mobile on uh, Wednesday night, September 19th, it opened up with the new guy, Tom McBride, uh, wrestling against the Hunter, Rock Hunter. Uh, Then Eddie Mansfield was going to be taking on the popular Herb Calvert. Been there for quite a while at this point. The third match on this card was two superstars, man, from Tennessee. Both of them making their first Southeastern Gulf Coast debut. Uh, Kevin Sullivan who had gone home from Boston for about a three-week vacation after he lost the loser leave match uh, against Paul Orndorff as the Korean assassin. Uh, he had lost, and he took a three-week vacation. So Sullivan was going to be coming down south, first time he'd ever been down there. He was going to be wrestling one of the most impressive big men in the sport, uh, the monster from the Orient, Tor Tanaka. It was his first time ever down there, too. And, uh, and I was going to be going up against the Hard Punch King, Ox Baker. Uh, then there was a Southeastern Tag Belts on the line down there again in a return title match. The new champions, Jerry Stubbs and Mike Stallings, were going to be facing the former champs, the Assassins. Last match was a loser leave Southeastern match with the Southeastern title at stake. Champion Austin Idol was going to be facing the Gladiator Steinborn. All right, so that's a really good card, it seems like to me. I can't wait to hear how Mobile accepted that third match with Kevin Sullivan versus Tora Tanaka, then you versus Ox, and two title matches, one with a loser-leave stipulation. First, if you would, tell us about the TV show 
to promote the big card, how you guys set it up? Well, before we get to that, uh, Dave, I, I wanted to, I wanted everybody to know uh, what was going, uh, what I was going through at this time. And, uh, you know, we don't talk about this a whole lot, but uh, I was on this uh, mobile card. Uh, uh, I was on the Montgomery card two days before this mobile card. I was on the Knoxville card two days after this mobile card. I was doing the booking for Southeastern Gulf Coast at this point, but I was unable to be down there most nights. So Louis Tillette was still my assistant booker, but I wasn't sure what his attitude was because I just fired him a couple of weeks earlier, you know, and I gave him the opportunity to help me out. But I, I, I really needed to be down there in the Gulf Coast more than I was at this point. Obviously, I got the problems up north, too. But uh, So I wanted to get a real feel for the Gulf Coast Territory again. Kind of like when I was there in 1978, uh, every night in that first year, once we opened it up down there, uh, I spent almost that whole uh, year, 1978, down there in the Gulf Coast. And I wasn't happy to be back on the road again because that's what I was going to happen here, you know. But all the negative things going on in both the territories, uh, with all that happened, it was extremely important that I got more involved because my two-territory experiment wasn't looking so good <laughs> at mm. this point. Mm. And maybe not going to continue to work, especially with the war that was going on, basically uh, in uh, one up north and, uh, and maybe uh, potentially about to happen down south as well. You know, I've been kind of thinking about, well, that you at that time in your life might be going to make some kind of decision about the future of your two territory system of operation, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, and, and basically I, I, I'm, I'm kind of making the decision here that I'm going to be in the Gulf Coast territory every night for the two weeks, the next two weeks uh, after this one. Uh, so, uh you know, I'm going to be down there and committed to uh, seeing what's happening in the South just as much as I've been uh, part of the North. So let's get back to the TV show, uh, promoting that mobile card on Wednesday, September 19th. And it opened up with the Southeastern champion, uh, Austin Idol, at the set with Charlie Platt. And Idol was angry with the uh, Gladiator, you know, and he had told uh, Charlie uh, before he watched this video, he wanted to make something crystal clear. He wanted to show something that he had, that had been uh, done with the Gladiator. And he said he had just wrestled the Gladiator for three weeks in a row and successfully defended his belt many times against him in that three weeks. And then he reminded Charlie that last week on TV, he said he was done with the Gladiator and that he meant it. He was finished with the Gladiator. He said, now, he said, uh, let's take a look at this video, and everyone's going to see why I'm so upset with this masked man. So the video opened up uh, was a match with uh, me and against uh, Idol. And the video opened up with Idol. He was out on the concrete, outside of the ring. I was inside the ring. Uh, the referee was pushing me back uh, from the edge of the ring where Idol was, across the ring. And uh, Idol asked the director then to stop the tape. And he asked Charlie, he says, uh, who am I wrestling in this match, Charlie Platt? 
And uh, Charlie said, well, uh, that's pretty obvious. You're wrestling against Ron Fuller, you know. And uh, so then Idol says, okay, run the tape. And so they started running the tape again. The video showed the gladiator suddenly appearing right there at ringside, sneaked up behind Idol, put a sleeper hold on him. And the Mobile crowd, uh, this had happened in Mobile about uh, three days before the TV. And uh, the crowd exploded and Idol started fighting it. The sleeper, but uh, it, it didn't help. The gladiator put him to sleep. So the referee was still pushing me away from Idol at, the, at that point. And as soon as he, he turned around, he saw the gladiator had a sleeper hold on Idol out there on the floor. And so he rang the bell. And obviously, he disqualified me, you know, for <laughs> the gladiator's interference in my match. Right, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, I I got nothing to do with this. So then, uh, the gladiator in the video, he drops Idol on the concrete. He's he's asleep, right? And he just turned around and went back to the dressing room. So the referee went outside. Yeah, he raised Idol's hand. He got his hand and raised his hand, but Idol was out. So when he <laughs> dropped his hand, he dropped down to the concrete, and uh, and so he had left him there. <laughs> Gladiator left Idol there. So at that point, Idol picked up, man. He was, hmm. his indi- <laughs> he was, his pace of his indignation. He came in a little angry. Now he was really mad. And he yelled at Charlie. He said, I could have died. <laughs> he said, he didn't even wake me up. <laughs> you know, he said, he left me laying on the cold concrete, Charlie Platt. You know, he said, I want that man right now. He goes, I want him in a loser leave Southeastern match. He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll even put up my belt in the match. You know, so uh, all of a sudden, just kind of like it <laughs> happened in the video, the gladiator just appeared from out of nowhere, man, right there behind him at the set. And he says, I'll take that challenge. <laughs> and the studio exploded. <laughs> so they thought they were going to get into it right there. And, uh, so the gladiator went right on up into the ring, you know, and he was scheduled to wrestle on this TV show, but not until the last match. So, but he was ready to go and he invited Idol to come on in. So, uh, Charlie said, you know, uh, told me, he said the TV crowd in the studio, they were on fire. He said, he said, but Idol wasn't dressed to wrestle, you know, and, uh, he just kind of walked on back to the Hills dressing room, left the gladiator standing up there in the ring. Wow. All right. So that's a really great TV show. How about the first match on the TV show? Well, nothing was going to basically kind of follow that little opening there, but uh, the new Southeastern tag champion, Stubbs and Stallings, had just won the championship a few days earlier. They raced out into the ring. Uh, They were supposed to be in the first match. They had their belts. They were holding them up over their heads. The studio crowd, they didn't even know they were their champions, but they pretty quickly figured out that they had won the belts somewhere during the last week. And uh, they responded, obviously, with cheers. And uh, and it uh, certainly wasn't a downer for the studio at this point. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the Gladiator got out of the ring, and uh, the Georgia Cousins, man, uh, they lit the studio up, man. Uh, they ended up pinning both of their opponents. So in the next TV match, there was a... New star in town, young Kevin Sullivan, man, had taken Southeast of Knoxville by storm, you know, and uh, he had really had, man, in his time in Knoxville. 
he had really proven himself. And uh, he was now down south, and he was down there, as Kevin put it, I'm going to do it again. He said, down in the Gulf Coast. So it might have been the first time that uh, they had ever seen him, but uh, Charlie said fans were really impressed, and uh, and I would have thought, you know, he said I would have thought he was already a star if I didn't know better. Mm. All right, so how about the personality profile? Who was on that? Well, man, the evil one himself, Ox Baker, man, uh, who had basically flown back into Dothan from uh, the night before on, on the morning flight. He was in. He was wrestling in Tennessee in that uh, tag match, the bounty match in Tennessee. So uh, he was. He flew back in. Uh, he was on the profile. Uh, Charlie said uh, he could hardly get in a word. Man, he said uh, Ox took everybody on a ride down memory lane. He talked about, he brought up all of these different opponents from the first one he had wrestled since he got there to the last one and, uh, and how he had laid waste to all of them since his arrival in Southeast. He said, uh, Charlie said, Ox began uh, <laughs> with the first one he had conquered. Mm-hmm. And he said, he, he called him, he said, Ronnie called, uh, he said, he called him an old favorite down here in the dumb South. <laughs> <laughs> The, the wrestling pro. Right? God. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, you know, the wrestling pro wasn't really, he, he wasn't really a favorite, uh, <laughs> but he was just old. That's all. Oh, come on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then he got to Hulk. He said, uh, and then came the young punk, the Hulk. And he said, uh, who he said, you know, was a very overrated. And he said, I proved it to everybody, Charlie. See, when I ran him right out of Southeastern, didn't take me long to get him gone. And, uh, and then he said, next was Thunderbolt Patterson. He said, you know, he was, he was just a so-called champion with a belt, he said, that no one ever heard of or wanted. And he said, I spanked him, man, and I sent him to where he came from. You know, so he's just going through all these baby faces. And then he said, Crusher Blackwell, he goes, uh, he said, Charlie said, Ox called him a big tub of you know what. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then he said, uh, he said, recently, you know, he said, not long ago, I sent him back in two, man. And then he goes, now we're going to talk about somebody last night. He goes, uh, I was dealing with Andre the Giant. And I had humiliated Andre the Giant so many times before. But he said, last night in Tennessee, he said, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, where, the, where the ignorant Frenchman felt his heart punch again, man, he says, that's what he called Andre, the ignorant Frenchman. He goes, <laughs> I let him feel my heart punch again, man. He said, and that's the second time in two months, Charlie. I've already done it to him down here in Pensacola. Wow. So, wow. so he was... Then he, uh, he kind of changed gears, and he, Charlie said, he asked me, he says, uh, tell me, Charlie Platt, about my next victim, <laughs> Ron Fuller, the so-called Tennessee stud. He mm. says, uh, mm. uh, that, that's supposed to be such a big star, star in this part of the country. He said, you know, I wrestled his father, right? And he says, I heard him, <laughs> you know. He said, but not nearly as bad as his partner, Ray Gunkel, mm. in Georgia. Right. So Charlie told him, you know, that I'd sent a video in today about their upcoming match and, and he could see for himself what I look like. 
Well, he had seen me before, but you know, he's, he's having a good time out there in the profile sound like to me. So oddly enough, uh, I spent a lot of that interview talking about my father's wrestling partner in Georgia, about the late Ray Gunkel and how Ox Baker was uh, probably responsible, truly responsible for Ray's death. And I said, you know, it was going to be our first match, uh, the first time I'd wrestled Ox Baker. And I look forward to it because uh, growing up, Ray Gunkel had been a personal friend of mine, which was true. We visited him and his wife a lot, me and my brother. And uh, Ray was a great guy. And that Ox Baker, he might outweigh me, but uh, he was definitely going to be looking up at me because I'm taller than he is. For mm-hmm. Darn sure. mm-hmm. And during the match, he's going to be looking up at me. And at the end of it, he's going to be looking up at me again because I'm going to break his leg. Mm-hmm. So Charlie said, that got Ox fired up, man. <laughs> he said he knew the, he said he, you know, Ox said he knew the legend of the fuller leg lock. And he promised, even though he didn't like to do it, you know, he says, uh, I, I'm going to make this guy feel the heart pain, you know, when I get in the ring with him. Mm. Sounds pretty scary to me, Ryan. That's that's one wrestler I wouldn't want mad at me. So how about the third TV match on this, this show? Well, the former tag champions, the Assassins, uh, they were in this one, and they looked uh, very upset with their loss of the belts. They wrestled like they were very upset, Charlie said, mm-hmm. with the loss of the belts. They'd been champions for six weeks straight, and uh, they took it out on their opponents. They left both those guys laying, and uh, they got their hands raised. Wow. At the beginning of the show, you said the Gladiator was in the last TV match after all that had happened in the opening of the show with him and Austin Idol, of course. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie said the Gladiator was a welcome back to the ring by an extremely responsive studio crowd. Uh, you know, he had been out there first, and him and Idol, you know, he, he had almost tried to get Idol to have a little altercation with him. Didn't happen, but uh, he said Austin Idol, still in his street clothes, went to the set with Charlie. As soon as the Gladiator got in the ring, Idol went back to the set with Charlie. And uh, Idol was still very upset, Charlie said, with Gladiator, having interrupted him earlier at the set, challenged him to wrestle him on with, with his clothes on, you know, and one, naturally that wasn't going to happen. And he verified that uh, the, between what had happened in the first of the show and now, that they had both signed to wrestle each other in a loser leave Southeastern match, and Idol was going to put his Southeastern title at stake in that match. So Gladiator spent a whole lot of the time in the match with his eyes obviously on idle, you know, uh, until he got ready to end it. And then when he did, he hooked uh, his opponent in a sleeper hold. And as soon as he clamped down on the sleeper hold, his opponent kind of turned his back to the set. Well, obviously, Gladiator's behind him. That turned the Gladiator's back to the set. He couldn't see idle anymore instead of paying, couldn't pay attention to what was coming. And Idol just bolted into the ring, kicked the gladiator in the back. Uh, he was wearing the cowboy boots. Uh, kicked him in the back with a cowboy boot. And then he pulled the boot off and he hit uh, the gladiator in the forehead with it, in the face, basically. And the gladiator went down hard. And uh, Idol went for his mask, Charlie said, but he couldn't quite get it off. And uh, Charlie said the mask man was bleeding. 
through the eye holes in his mask and began to try to fight back. He said Idola hit him again with the cowboy boot and ripped the front of his mask partially opened. And uh, then the gladiator, was, Charlie said, pretty much unconscious at that point. And uh, Idol was just uh, trying to get his mask off and uh, stomping him. And uh, Kevin Sullivan, it was his first TV show with Southeastern history. And, you know, he, he was the first guy to come to the ring to help Idol. And then came Stubbs and Stallings. And uh, I mean, not to help Idol, but to obviously to help the gladiator. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Idol retreated to the dressing room. But, uh, but uh, he got some blood on his shirt, you know, during the course of this altercation with the gladiator. Mm. And, uh, so all three of those guys helped the gladiator back to his dressing room. Wow. So this is, this is really a wild, wild TV show compared to most lately after each TV match, according to the TV format, there was usually a two minute commercial break, then a two minute spot for interviews about upcoming matches. So what happened in the last two minutes of this interview time? Well, you know, we, we lately I haven't been talking about a whole lot of interviews, but uh, Charlie said this was pretty different. Uh, so he, he explained everything that had happened to me about uh, toward the end of this program. And he said Austin Idol went into a separate studio for, for he was going to make some remarks. The Gladiator was scheduled to join Charlie at the set. And uh, so when the cameras rolled on, on Charlie's set, uh, Kevin's Kevin and Stubbs and Stallings, they were still trying to help the gladiator get set down and and uh, try to make an interview. Uh, and uh, so obviously uh, Charlie could see, you know, the gladiator wasn't ready to do any talking at this point. So he just threw it to the other studio, back to Idol, where I would, Idol was waiting in the studio. And then he said, Idol, uh, you know, as always, man, uh, you know, when you're involved in something like that at the end of a TV show, wow, it really got you on fire, man. So uh, he said, uh, I just saw the blood on the front of his shirt. You, you watch the, the monitor, right? You can see. I don't think he had noticed it. Uh, Charlie said, I don't think he had noticed he had blood on his shirt until he started in the interview. And he said he just ripped the buttons off his shirt, ripped the shirt off of his body, and he held it up to the camera, and he said uh, – you know, look at this little patch of blood right here, you know, and he said, that's nothing compared to what's going to be on the gladiator come this next week. Because, you know, and, and he said in these matches, he said, I'm going to be the gladiator, something, you know, the effect. He said, the mm -hmm. ring's going to be my coliseum. And mm -hmm. just like in ancient Rome, he goes, the masked man, the gladiator and so-called gladiator is going to be my sacrifice. <laughs> and he held up the bloody shirt in front of the camera, Charlie said. And he said, I'm not only going to beat him and send him out of here. I'm going to take this shirt to the ring and I'm going to turn this spot into a giant puddle of his blood. So wow. then they shifted wow. the shot back to Charlie and the gladiator to set. Well, the gladiator's mask was still torn all across his face. The, uh, the nose part had been ripped out, and uh, he had a towel in one of hand, on one of his hands, and he was wiping blood away as he as he tried to talk, and he was still struggling to talk, and you know he didn't have a lot to say, but he you know Charlie said you could kind of make out. He said you know all I, all I need to do is get my sleeper rolled on you, Austin Idol, and he goes 
and I'm never going to turn it loose until you're no longer breathing. Wow, that's pretty heavy stuff, Stud. So who won the matches that coming week? Well, Hunter beat Tom McBride. Eddie Mansfield won over Herb Calvert. <clears throat> Tore Tanaka, man, looked like the monster he was uh, during his match. Uh, Louis Tillette told me about this match. He goes, wow, Ron, this was unreal. He goes, uh, Tanaka just uh, it just it, it looked like he was destroying Kevin. And he said, in fact, he said he, at the end of the match, he, he pulled him up twice when he had him pinned. And, uh, and he had given him a couple of body slams. And when he went for that third body slam, Kevin uh, exploded that crowd, Louis said. Uh, he put a small package on him, man, and uh, beat him from out of nowhere, man. Nobody mm. expected that, what he said. Wow. He said Kevin got over great. So uh, both Ox Baker and I, we got disqualified fighting on the floor. And uh, we would be back against each other next week. Lumberjack match with wrestlers surrounded, surrounding the ring. And the Assassins regained Southeastern belts with a victory. They beat Stubbs and Stallings, got their belts back. Austin Idol, last match, managed to win over the Gladiator. In an extremely bloody match, man, where Idol uh, retained the belt and the Gladiator was never seen again, Southeastern Gulf Coast. However, though, they've... Uh, Idol was going to be confronted on the next TV show by another masked man known as Mr. Pensacola. <laughs> okay, wow. All right, so this wrestler couldn't have anything to do with the gladiator, could he, Ron? All right, so, and how about the attendance in all three major markets in that that week? How'd you guys do? Well, so last week, Dave, uh, you know, uh, there was... There was a never-done-before angle coming in the Gulf Coast. I believe I said that last week, and uh, I'll explain more in the next studcast about that. Uh, but uh, we're going to do something that's pretty darn unusual. I don't think was very, very done maybe ever before. And as far as the attendances, uh, they were all up again. Uh, Montgomery went up from 2,500 to 28. Mobile went from 3,400 to 38. Dothan from 3,000 to 3,300. And uh, so the three city total attendance went from 8,900 the week before to 9,900. And Mobile, in fact, was only 400 fans less than Knoxville that had Andre the Giant in it. Whoa. Okay. All right. That's pretty awesome. All right. And I'm sorry to say, but we're definitely not going to have enough time for a learning tree question this week. As we get ready to wind it down, this was this was a very strong angle in southeastern Gulf Coast. Nothing like it had been done, if my memory is correct, after Louis Tillette became the southeastern Gulf Coast booker back in the spring of 1979. So where do we ride next week, Stud? Well, you're right about that angle, Dave. You know, that they hadn't been doing any type of uh, really strong stuff. So my situation in both of the territories at this point was uh, it required something more than usual. I mean, and so, you know, went pretty far on that one uh, and that, on that angle down in the southeastern Gulf Coast. But in the next two studcasts after this, uh, uh, we're not going to I will not cover not I'm not just going to cover southeastern Knoxville, but uh, uh, my next two weeks in the Gulf Coast territory, uh, I'm going to focus on what I was going to do basically 
for my future. I mean, I was really taking, I was having to take a good look at what was happening with my companies. Uh, next Edcast, the Knoxville's going to get a very violent main event, a $5,000 bounty match with Ox Baker getting his first shot ever at a single match with the Mongolian Stomper. And, uh, and there's a great card for that one, another TV show to promote it, talk about the results of the matches there and the attendance. And we even got another all-star card on the next one and the attendance for that one for them as well. So the Gulf Coast, at this point, Dave, seemed like it had a little role going. Uh, Mr. K- Pensacola going to make his debut, which Idol didn't going to care for very much in uh, uh that's going to be part of a very good card. Uh, the TV promoting it, we'll talk about. Results of the matches and the attendances and all three of those markets as well. And uh, each week now, 1979, uh, my major decision for my future was getting ever closer, man, to being decided. Wow. Folks on Facebook, it's simple. You can go to Ron Fuller Welch, the Tennessee stud on Facebook, like him and follow him there to become friends with a living legend on Twitter. Same thing. Find Ron on Twitter, Ron Fuller Welch. Follow him there too. Check out Ron's fantastic website at tnstud.com. This studcast is going to be there. This is number 316. It'll be there. And every studcast ever done 43 super studcast and Ron's stud store where you can find all kinds of souvenirs including the thrilling lion novel called brutus you gotta get it get yours personally autographed while you're there you can go to youtube southeastern rewind go to youtube put southeastern rewind in the search bar then subscribe and get the best in old school wrestling if that's what you're looking for you're gonna find it here you'll find 335 videos you can watch videos for days. The last 93 studcaster there, 52 stud stories, 67 short rides with the stud. Don't miss Ron's Ask the Stud number nine question and answer show this coming Saturday, September 16th, 2023. We talked about that on the break. Any last comments, Ron? Well, only man, as usual, uh, as always, uh, thanks to everybody, all our listeners out there today and Hope you enjoyed it, and uh, please take care of yourselves and others. May God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC.